Listen, I am hippopotamus happy and peacock proud. Uh, to be able to get to come and hang out with you all today. Uh, can you do me a favor? Can we celebrate your pastor, my dear friend, Pastor Steve? Can, you can we celebrate him? And can we celebrate his lovely bride who I met this morning, Kimberly? Can we celebrate her? Amen. Listen, um, it was a no-brainer when he asked me to come and uh, get to come hang out with you all, and then he told me that you guys wanted to uh, be a part of blessing our church plant. Uh, it was a no-brainer for me. I said, whatever, clear the schedule, whatever, we're coming down, we're going to be there. And then uh, we also had the joy of getting to bring down some of our team members. So all of our team members, y'all just wave your hands. Some of our launch team members, they came down and made the trip. Amen. Amen. I ain't saying that I got the best team members in the state or nothing. I'm just saying ain't no team members in the state that are better than mine. That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So uh, I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. Uh, it's such a joy to be here. Listen, uh, get your Bible in hand. Let's journey together to the book of Luke, Luke chapter uh, 22, Luke chapter 22. I got a hustle. They got a, they got a clock on me, y'all. I'm a Southern uh, Black Baptist preacher, and they got a clock on a Southern Black Baptist preacher. So we're going to see how that works. Uh, Luke chapter 22 uh, and we're going to moonwalk on to verse 31, Luke 22, verse 31. Do me a favor, just get your, your juices flowing, just to get your energy going. Do me a favor and just stand up as we, as we read God's word together. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 is what I want to read into your hearing. If you got to say amen, if you don't say, hold up, bro. Okay, I'll take, take your time. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, there we go, uh-huh, Luke chapter 22, verse 31, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, if you've got a different translation, that's okay, as long as the, the book that you got has 66 books in it, has an Old and a New Testament, it should be all right, Luke chapter 22, verse 31, it says this, it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Watch this, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you have denied me or denied three times that you even know me. Do me a favor, touch your name and say, neighbor, today... I want to talk about what happens when faith goes in the fire. I want to talk about faith in the fire. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. And uh, let, let me pray for our time together real quick, if that's all right. Father, we are grateful. We are humbled. We are honored uh, that you have allowed us to be here today. Lord, that you allowed us to have life and health and strength today. God, we recognize that somebody didn't get up this morning, but we did. We recognize that somebody was battling some sickness this morning, but uh, God, you made it possible for us to uh, be present here today. And so, Lord, just for all the things that we tend to take for granted, God, we want to tell you thank you. We want to tell you we appreciate you, God. And so now, Lord, we pray that you would turn our hearts and our minds and our attention, Lord, towards your holy word. God, would you arrest our attention today? Would you give us listening ears? receptive hearts, but most of all, a responsive life. God, would you penetrate the deep corners of our heart, Lord, that we haven't given over to you yet? And then, God, I pray that you would give me preaching power, allow me to preach with clarity, conviction. And Father, allow me to have 
a clear mind to think, Father, and allow my words to be, to be sober-minded. And Father, above all things, we just want you to get the glory out of our time together. So Father, we are excited about what you're going to do in the strong, mighty, and perfect name of Jesus. We do pray, amen. Amen. I want to talk about what happens when faith is in the fire. Um, Harvest, can I confess something to you all? I know you don't know me, but I'm your distant, darker-skinned cousin from up north. (laughs) I want to confess something to you. One of my deepest and my greatest pet peeves is insincere people. Um, I can't stand, let me say it like this, fake people. I got a problem with with insincere people, y'all. That's the part of the part of my heart God is still working on. Y'all know the type of people I'm talking about. The people who portray themselves to be one thing, but in reality, they're something totally different. Insincere people, y'all. People who, who are smiling in your face all the while they trying to take your place. They insincere people, y'all. I, I, I have a hard time with, with insincere people. Many of you have encountered your fair share of people like that in your life. They smile ever so brightly in your face, and yet they, they're ever so quick to tear you down behind your back. People who with their lips, they, they speak words suggesting that they want the best for you, but with their actions, they, they show that it's true. in truth they're after your downfall insincere people. And y'all, perhaps I have this annoyance with, with insincere people because of the generational gap I'm a, I'm a part of. The, I'm a millennial uh, by generation, y'all. So maybe that's why I don't like insincere people. Because uh, if there's one generation that can't stand fake people, it's millennials, y'all. It's can't stand fake people. That's why we cling to terms like, please just keep it 100 with me. Uh, that, that's why we use the terms like fake and phony all the time, y'all. Millennials, they, they can't stand insincere people, and maybe that's part of my problem. And if you would allow me to parenthetically say that it's insincere people who are perhaps the cause of the rapid decline that we see in church. Um, y'all, ain't, y'all, ain't, y'all ain't with me yet. I'll, I'll say it like this. Um, um, insincere people, if, if we're being honest, have... have have played and are running rampant in the church, whereas the early church was full of genuine believers who were looking to be like the risen Christ. Many of our postmodern churches are full of bad actors who are more interested in religious rituals. Um, it's full of people who are more concerned with having church than they are being the church. It's, it's full of people who are more concerned with the religious activities and less concerned with a genuine relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, there's people that are more concerned with their preferences and might I even say their politics and less concerned with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, the church can be full of some insincere, disingenuine people at times, and, and perhaps that's the reason that you see so many people who are turning their back on it because they look at the church and they don't see people who look like the Lord Jesus Christ. And y'all, many of us can attest to the reality that we don't like insincere people, and yet the reality is, friends, let me say it like this, the truth is every last one of us at times has been insincere. Um, I, I know you may not like them, but, but the truth is, you and I, we at times have been guilty of being insincere. And if we've been guilty of being insincere in no other place, the truth is, there have been times we've been guilty of being insincere in our faith. 
We say we want one thing. In fact, we sing certain songs. God, I give myself away. Lord, you can have all of me are things that we say. But the truth is our actions show that we are insincere in our faith sometimes. And friends, can I tell you what that, that word, that, that word insincere, that word sincere, it, it, it comes from a Latin phrase. And there's a, there's a story behind this Latin phrase where we get our word sincere from. And there's questions about its validity, but, but even if it's not fully accurate, it proves to us and gives us a wonderful picture. The story behind the word sincere is this idea that the word sincere means without fault or without wax. And it points to this picture that in ancient times, often if there were cracks and mold in pottery, what they would do is they would put some wax on it to mend the cracks. And then when a person was shopping for that pottery, what they would have to do to, to determine whether that pottery was good, whether it had cracks in it or not, is that they would put that pottery in the fire. And if it was sincere without wax, it, it would be fine. But if it was insincere, the wax would melt away and it would reveal the cracks. And might I suggest to you, friends, today as, as I approach our text, the reality is, friends, sometimes God allows you and I, our faith, to be put into the fire of life to reveal the cracks in it. Sometimes God lets, you, lets your life, lets the circumstances of your life become so hot that it reveals the cracks of your, your faith, whether you really believe what you say you believe or not. God sometimes allows the enemy, I should say, to hold our faith in the fire to see whether it's real or not. And I know that's, that's messing with somebody in here because, because you've been thinking that all of the bad things happening to you right now in your life were just happenstance and coincidence. But might I suggest to you that the reason that, that the, the temperature of your life is so hot right now, might I suggest to you that the reason that there are so many things going awry in your life right now is because God is trying to reveal the cracked and broken areas in your faith, not because he wants to expose you, but because he wants to help fix you. That's a really good place to shout right there, friends. Uh, that's a really good place to give him some praise right there because it lets me know that what I'm going through isn't just nonsense. It lets me know that what I'm going through isn't for nothing, but what I'm going through, I'm going through something because God is trying to fix something inside of me. Y'all, this is what, what we see in our text today, friends. This is what, what the text suggests to us that God does is that sometimes he allows the enemy to hold our faith in the fire to see whether it's real or not, to reveal the cracks in it, y'all. If you would allow, would allow me to give you some context, y'all, Jesus has just broken bread with his disciples in the preceding passages. He's implemented what is the ordinances that we all observe, which are communion and the Lord's Supper, or communion, rather, and, and baptism. And he's, he's told them, I want you to exercise communion. I want you to engage in this activity. And every time you do it, I want you to do it in remembrance of me. Then following serving them this, this symbolic meal, an argument breaks out among the twelve concerning who is the greatest among them. Jesus quickly settles the argument by reminding them that, that the one who serves is greater than the one who sits. Oh, this reality is evidenced by the fact that Jesus himself was serving instead of being served. Um, that's a, and that's a word for you and I, friends. It's a, it's a wonderful reminder. I'm, I'm coming down your, your, your darker-skinned cousin from up north. I just want to remind somebody here in Harvest that the truth is, if you want to be great in the kingdom, it's not about where you sit. It's about where you serve. Yeah. 
And so if you've not gotten plugged in anywhere here yet, might I suggest to you that if you want to rise in the ranks of God's kingdom, it's, it's not about who you're friends with. It's not about whether you can claim that you're a member of Harvest Rochester. It's about whether or not you are serving somewhere. He says that it's, it's the one who, who serves, not the one who sits. And if you're more concerned about someone doing for you than you are what you can do for others, then, then you're sitting. If you're more concerned with what you, what you are opposed to or what you're supposed to receive as opposed to what you're supposed to give, then you are, you are sitting. If you're more concerned with trying to get yours instead of helping someone else get theirs, you are sitting and not serving. And if you want to save, friends, if you want to, if you want to experience the ranks and the heights of the kingdom of God, it's about where you serve and not about where you sit. Can I tell you, Frank, because the kingdom of God, it's full of paradox. If you want to save your life, you got to lose your life. Um, if you want to receive more, it's really about whether you give more. If you want to go up, then you first have to go down. And can I tell you, if you want to be great, it's not about where you sit. It's about where you serve. And so following the settlement of this dispute, Jesus commends the twelve for their faithfulness. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He settles the dispute about whether, whether who's the greatest, about serving, not sitting. And then he commends them for their faithfulness in the preceding chapters right before our text. But then, y'all, the narrative takes a turn. Narrative takes a turn because Jesus moves from a positive affirmation toward what all the disciples and he have overcome to a concerning warning about what they, and specifically Peter, were about to face. Check out the text. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Y'all check this out. Jesus calls Peter by his birth name in a somber way. This is already indicating to us that something was wrong because he referred to him as Simon when he had malintent in his heart, but he referred to him often as Peter when he was walking with walking in the right way with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says to him, y'all, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you. Check out the text, friends. Do you see it there? He calls his name. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you. That word demanded there, it's actually the only place that we see this word in the original language in the Greek. This word demanded that we see here in this text. It's the only place that we see this particular Greek word. And what it really means, what Jesus is really saying, he's saying, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked and obtained permission to test you. It's, 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 it's really the Old Testament picture of what we see happen with, with Job, friends. There's a, there's a heavenly council meeting, if you will, one day, and, and, and Satan comes, and he's, he's there, and he asks the Lord, he says, who, who can I test? And then the Lord tells Satan, he says, have you tried? Have you considered my servant by the name of Job? This is the same picture that we're seeing here in the text. Satan has asked and obtained permission from God to test Peter, Satan has asked and has 
obtain permission from God. That might sound scary for some of us, but it's actually comforting if you really think about it. The reality is simply this, friends, because it's a reminder that the enemy can't even try you, can't even test you without the permission of God. That, that should have got somebody excited. Can I tell you that the enemy is not some omniscient, omnipotent being who is roaming in the world doing whatever he wants to do, though the enemy is still under the authority of God. And if he even wants to try you or test you or, or come at you, he's got to go and ask God for permission. But then it raises the question, why would God give him permission? Can I tell you? Because God is allowing your faith, allowing your life to be put into the fire to test your faith. Amen. See, whether it's, it's real or not, this is what happens in this text. He comes and asks God for permission, and God apparently gives him permission to ask or to test Simon Peter. So then the question then becomes, friends, here it is. The question is, what do I do? When my faith is thrown in the fire. That's the question. That's what you're looking at me. You're asking me. I, you may not say it, but I see it in your eyes. What do I do when God allows my, my faith to be thrown into the fire? What do I do when God allows the enemy to test me, to, to try me, to, to try to disrupt the normal rhythm of my life? What do I do when my faith is thrown in the fire? Here's the simple truth, friends. You got to learn to stand firm in the fire by believing in Jesus. I know. I, I wish it was deeper. I wish I had something deeper for you. I really do. I wish I had something more spooky and profound for you, but I don't. Here's, here's what you do when your faith is in the fire. You stand firm by believing in Jesus when my faith is, is thrown in the fire. But then that raises the, the, the relevant question. Then how self do I, do I stand firm? I'm going to give you these three things. I'm going to sit my chocolate self down. They got me on the clock. Y'all ready? Here it is. I stand firm in the fire. First of all, by remembering, watch this, that Jesus is praying for me. Y'all now listen, y'all. I, I told, I'm from Arkansas originally, um, and so I grew up in the South Black Baptist Church, y'all. I wish y'all I was back there right now because I wish I had a church that knew where to shout. <laughs> I stand firm when my faith is in the fire by first remembering that Jesus is praying for me. I ain't making it up. It's right here in your text. It's in the Bible. It says, um, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But watch verse 32. But I have prayed for you. Yeah. Woo! That's good stuff right there. That gets me excited. Jesus tells Simon, yes, it's true. Satan has asked to test you, to tempt you, to try to disrupt you in your life. Yes, Satan has asked if he can put a little bit of sickness in your body. Satan has asked if he can, if he can lay you off the job. Satan has asked if he can disrupt your marriage. Satan has asked if depression can get in your mind. But here's the good news. Even though Satan is trying to test you, Jesus says, I have prayed for you. Um, that, that gets me excited because note what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, I told the other disciples to pray for you. It, it, it doesn't say, but, but the deacons are praying for you. It, it doesn't say, but that, that, that some other member of, of Harvest is praying for you. No, the text tells us that when he's talking to Simon, he says to him, but I have prayed for you. 
um, listen, I, I got a lot of friends. Um, I'm a pastor, all those things like that. So I, I pledged in college, and my line brothers, they'll text me all the time, and they'll be like, they'll be like Seth, man, can you pray for me, bro? I know you can get to God. I said, what? <laughs> and, 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 and I get it because they think that because I'm the pastor, I'm so spiritual, and I'm so spooky, and I'm so deep that I got God on my back phone. I got a red phone in my, in my, in my prayer closet, and I just pick up the line, and I'll call God, and, I, and it's just me and him. But what I try to remind them all the time is that, friend, you got the same access to God that I have. Because I'm not close to God because I'm the pastor. I'm close to God because I know the Son. And so if you note the text, friends, what ought to excite you, what you got to remember when your life is going through the fire, when you are struggling and dealing with the challenges of life, is that Jesus himself is praying for you. You think I'm making it up? Uh, check out Romans 8 and 34. The Bible tells us that he's sitting at the right hand, interceding on your behalf. The, the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with your weaknesses, but in every way has been tempted and yet was without sin. And so we can go boldly to his throne because he understands what we're going through. You got a Savior that's praying for you. Woo! That excites me, friends. So when I'm going through the fires of life, when, when, when I got more bills than I got money, when, when my kids, who I, I know I've tried to train well and put the Lord Jesus Christ, are acting a plum fool, when, when, when there's sickness in my body, when, when friends are getting on my nerves, when, when my supervisor is getting on my nerves, when my, my, my spouse is getting on my nerves, don't clap too loud, I know they're right there. What, but when all that's going on, I can stand firm in it all because I know I got the Savior who's praying for me. Who's asking God, God, give them just a little bit more strength. Who's saying, God, give them just a little bit more patience. Who's saying, God, meet every one of their needs as you said you would. Who's saying, God, remind them that you are the healer over every sickness and you're the mender of every broken heart. I got a Savior who's praying for me. I, so I stand firm in the fire because I remember that, that my Savior is praying for me. Jesus is, is praying for me and and. But, but, but also note this real quick. Note what he's praying. Note, he's not just praying for me, but note what he's praying. He's praying that my faith will not fail. Y'all see that in the text? Check it out. Verse, 30, uh, verse 32. I ain't making it up. Don't close your Bible on me. Verse 32. I pray for you that your faith may not fail. Now, this is an interesting prayer that Jesus says that he's, he's praying for, for Simon Peter because the the next passage, and if you know the gospel story at all, you know that, that he's going to tell him in the next verses, you're going to deny me. Um, and so it's interesting because if you see Peter's denial as, as a failure, then you would naturally deduce that Jesus' prayer didn't work. But, but, but you're looking at Peter's denial the wrong way. Um, because the reality is Peter's denial, it was a fall, but it wasn't failure. Um, Jesus says, I pray for you that your faith may not fail. Can I help you real quick? Peter is going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to turn his back on him. In fact, he's going to deny him three times. But here's the good news. God does not see your falls as failure. Because when you fall, that's not what failed faith is. 
failed faith is when I no longer believe Jesus can pick me up from any fall I have. Real faith is not that I never make a mistake. Real faith is not that I never do anything wrong. Real faith is that I believe that no matter what I've done and even what I might do, Jesus can redeem and restore me no matter what. That, that, that touched somebody's heart in here because you've made some mistakes. You've said some things that you shouldn't have said. You've done some things you shouldn't have done. you said some four-letter words that weren't Mark, Luke, or John. You, you had too much to drink. That was clear. That wasn't Sprite and too much that was dark. That wasn't Coke. You, you, you've gone to some places you shouldn't have gone. And in fact, you even did it while you were a member at Harvest. It's all right. You can be honest. And the truth is you wondered in yourself, well, God, do I really love you like I say I love you? And am I really a Christian? and you beat yourself up about it. But can I tell you that faith is not that you never do anything wrong. It's belief that Jesus can still redeem you. That excites me right now. Because it ain't got to be your story, but I can tell you my story. I've said some stuff I shouldn't have said. I've, I've done some stuff I should not have done. I've gone to some places I should not have gone. But the good news is Jesus has still forgiven me. He says, I pray for you that that, that your faith will not fail. So I got to remember, friends, if I'm going to stand firm in this thing, I got to remember that Jesus is praying for me. But watch this. I got to also remember when I'm going through the fire, when my faith is being held up to the fire. Check this out. I got to remember that my struggles aren't just for me. Um, note the text. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Watch this next line. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. There's so much in there, I really don't have time to unpack it. Um, he says, when you've turned again, note that Jesus has already told him he's going to be redeemed even before he falls. That's, whew, that's good stuff right there. Jesus has already told them there's redemption already before you fall. But then know what Jesus tells him to do after he has experienced that redemption. He says, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Y'all see that in the text? Um, he says, he says uh, Jesus says, I need you to know that you're going to be held to the fire, that, that your faith is going to be challenged, that, that you're going to endure, endure some struggles and some trials sometimes, but you got to remember if you're going to stand firm in it that you're not just going through it for you. But God is going to use your story, your testimony, to strengthen somebody else. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, can I just cut across the field? I told you, I'm, I'm on a clock. Can I just cut across the field for you real quick, friend? God wants you to, is going to send you and allow you to go through the fire because he wants you to tell somebody else who is sick that God is a healer because you've been healed. God is going to let you go through it because he wants you to tell somebody else that God is a provider because you've seen him provide for you. He's going to let you go through because he wants you to tell somebody else that it does not matter how broken the marriage was. God is the mender of broken things. God wants to use you to strengthen the brothers. And can I tell you this, friends? Can I help you out real quick? Um, your, your job is to strengthen the brothers who also are going to experience some trials and some falls, even if their falls don't look like your falls. 
Can I, can I get on this for two seconds? Because the tendency we have in church all the time is for us to only uh, try to equate with people or connect with people who struggle with the same thing we do. But we look at other folks who got different kind of sin going on in their life and we turn our nose up at them. Talk back to me. Yeah, I know it's true. Uh-huh. I know it's true. I know it's true. Um, because it's how we create the hierarchy in our mind that I'm not as bad as they are. Um, I got some messed up stuff, but I'm not as bad as they are. Can I tell you? No, you're, you're the same. You're, you're just as bad as they are. Can I, can I say it like this, friends? Um, the truth is we all suffer from the same sickness. We just got different symptoms. Um, um, we all suffer from the sickness of sin, but the symptoms look different in all of our lives. You, you might cough and they might sneeze. You might have a scratchy throat and they might have an achy body. Let me say it like this. You might cuss some folks sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they might have a stealing problem. Um, 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 you might be self-righteous, mm-hmm. and, 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 and they might have been, 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 been married a whole bunch of times because they got some other issues going on in their soul. But can I tell you, friends, it doesn't matter what their symptom is. We all suffer from the same sickness, and God wants to use what you go through to strengthen the other brothers, even if it's not the same thing that you have dealt with. I'm almost done. I promise y'all going to get rid of me here soon. I'm going to go. Uh, Steve promised he was going to take me to lunch. We're going. I promise. So I stand firm when my life is held to the fire. Why? By remembering, one, that Jesus is praying for me. By remembering also that, that my struggles aren't just for me. I got to remember that God is taking me through this because he wants to use my life, my story, my testimony to help somebody else, strengthen somebody else who's going to deal with some falls as well. But finally, I, I stand firm in this. I stand firm in the middle of the fire by remembering, watch this, I wish the text ended on a happier note, that self-reliance will lead to self-destruction. I stand firm by remembering self-reliance will lead to self-destruction. Check it out in the text. Jesus tells him, man, you're going to, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. I prayed for you. Turn again. Strengthen the brothers. Verse 33. Look at what Peter says to him. Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and death. Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, that the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you even know me. Y'all, look at what Peter says to Jesus. Jesus tells him, bro, hey, Satan wants to, has demanded to have you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to test your faith. He wants to throw you in the fire. He wants to challenge you. Look at what Peter said. No, Jesus, I got this. I promise I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Y'all see that? Um. That's, that's some of us, if we're honest. Some of us, we, we, we so spooky, we so spiritual, we so saved. That's how we act. We're like, yeah, Jesus, I, I'm ready for anything with you, Jesus, until anything comes. This is what, what Simon Peter does. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to go with you even to death. And Jesus looking at him like, mm-mm, bro, I already know how that's going to go. You're going to deny me three times. And you're going to do it before the rooster even crows, bro. It ain't even going to be denial over a couple of days. It's going to be denial in one moment, in, 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 in one day, bro. You're going to deny me three times in one day. That's cold-blooded. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's cold. That's just cold. That's just, that's just cold. But, but check it out, because Simon Peter is so sure of himself. He's so sure of, of his of his spirituality, so sure of his, his walk with Jesus. He's like, nah, Jesus, we've been walking together. You, you've been my friend all this time. I promise, I got you. I'm ready to go with you to prison and even to death. And Jesus gives them the bad news. No, nah, Simon, you're going to deny me three times. 
before the rooster even crows. Can I tell you, friends, that if you're going to stand firm in your faith, you've got to remember you can't be like Simon Peter. You've got to take a positive lesson from his negative example. You can't believe that you in yourself are so strong that there's no way that you would ever walk away from Jesus. You got to believe and you got to understand you can't have this, this high view of yourself. Listen, and I know you've been in church a long time. I know you've been in all the Christian camps. I know you're taught well all the time. But the problem is what happens is uh, arrogance is the enemy's favorite weapon. And he wants you to get to the place where you're, you're so arrogant in your faith. You, you're so spiritual. You're so spooky. You're so saved that you think to yourself, there is no way that I would ever turn from the faith. That's what what Simon has going on in his heart. And then the issue is, that's exactly what he does, and it wrecks him. But can I tell you, friends, that if you're going to stand firm, you can't be like Simon. You've got to understand that I can't rely on myself to keep me close to God. i got to rely solely, totally on the Lord. That means when I'm going through... I'm not thinking to myself, it's nothing. I've been through this. I got it. You can't use those personal pronouns, I, me, my, and mine. No, but when I'm going through, I'm going through, but I'm going to trust that God's got me through it. And I'm going to make it not because I'm good, not because I go to harvest, not because I'm so spiritual, not because I read my Bible every day and I know how to speak all the church lingo, but I know that I'm going to make through it because God is keeping me. That's a word for somebody because you've been going through and, and you're wondering what's, why you're falling apart. It's because you're trying to go through in your own strength because you've tried to convince yourself much like Simon Peter that you're ready no matter what. But the reality is, friends, you got to stand firm by believing and remember it's going to be God who's going to get me through this thing. I'm done. I'm ready to go. I got to stand firm in my faith when when it's held to the fire. I got to do this by, by one, by remembering Jesus is praying for me. I got to do it by also remembering that my struggles aren't just for me. And I also got to do this by, by remembering that self-reliance will ultimately lead to self-destruction. If I try to, try to stand firm in this thing by myself, I'm not going to make it. But if I remember that it's, gonna, it's God, that it's, that it's the Lord Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit that lives inside of me that's going to push me through this thing, then then I can make it. And can I give you this last thing? And I promise I'm going, friends. Here's the good news that, that Simon Peter, his faith goes through the fire. He experiences a fall. He's going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ three times just as Jesus had predicted. But here's the good news of it, friends. His fall wasn't final. Because though Simon Peter would deny him three times, Jesus is going to be raised from the, from the grave on the third day. And after he's raised from the grave on that third day, y'all, he's, he's going to gather those scattered sheep again. And, and, and then he's going to tell Simon Peter, who, who's going to be the leader, he's going he's to anoint him in a special way. Simon Peter went from denying him three times to preaching on one day, and 3,000 got saved. He went from denying him to being the one who's walking, and he's so filled with the Spirit of God that everywhere he goes, even his shadow is healing people. Simon Peter is going to go from, from falling to being used mightily by the Father. Because Simon Peter, he, he, he was taught in this, in this text how to stand firm in, in his faith. And that falling isn't final. I just want to give you that, friends. I know some of you might be going through some things in your life. There may be some things that are pulling on your heart right now. Some, some things that you're, 
that you're wrestling with some things that you know just aren't, from, aren't, aren't, aren't what you're used to, some, some things in your marriage, some things in your household, some things on your job. But can I tell you, you got to stand firm when you're in the fire. You got to stand firm. You can't give up. You got to stand firm in this thing. You got to remember that Jesus is praying for you. You got to remember that you're not going through it just for yourself. And you got to remember not to rely on you, but to rely on God. If you do that, you'll stand firm in the middle of the fire. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, we thank you so much that even our trials come to make us stronger. Thank you, Father, that everything you're doing in, in, in our lives, Father, is for the purpose of sanctifying our souls. You're trying to make us more like you. So, Lord, we thank you that even the difficult days are, are being used by you to make us look more like you. So, Father, now we pray. We need your help. Some of us are in some, some hard places right now. There's some things going on in our lives, and we desperately need your help. And so, Father, we ask that you give us the strength to stand firm. Help us to remember that you're praying for us. You're on our side. Help us to remember, Father, that you want to use us as a testimony. And help us to remember that, Father, we're going to make it not because of us, but because of you. So, God, we thank you. I pray for my friend who may ne has never said yes to Jesus. I pray that they would accept him into their lives today, God. I pray that they would give their lives to him completely and know that the only way they're going to stand firm in life is if Jesus is with them pray for that person that may not be connected to a church on God. This is a great church. Use them and connect them here. And God, in all these things, we pray that you're glorified. We ask it all in the strong, perfect, mighty, matchless name of Jesus, we do pray. If you believe that, I want you to shout amen.